Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 186 of the All Dolphins podcast. Um, before I we do a quick retrospective looking back at the 86 season, corresponding to the episode number, um, big shout out today is January 4th, which is was the birthday of one Don Shula, the winningest coach in NFL history, who passed away three years ago, I want to say four years ago. Um, and if we're talking about Don Shula, it's not just the fact that he's the winningest coach in NFL history. What's most impressive to me is he went to the Super Bowl with three different starting quarterbacks, Bob Greasy, David Woodley, Dan Marino, and with two completely different styles, which was great defense running game in the 70s and all-out passing game in the 80s. That's impressive. Unlike, for example, the guy on his tail – chasing his record for all-time wins, Bill Belichick, who's done it with one quarterback and pretty much the same style. So big uh, I think they I think they evolved their style over the years. I mean they they, they were did? really prime they were a really very run heavy team um in the later years of, of Belichick's run. I mean of uh, Brady's run but you know yeah yes, there wasn't Trust me, listen to the old man here. There wasn't the, the contrast. I mean, the Dolphins contrast. You're talking about two Super Bowls, the, 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 the two they won, where they threw the ball. Bob Greasy, like, attempted seven and 11 passes in those two games, the entire game. Uh, and then Marino, again, there was a, the high-flying attack in 1984. So, uh, the coaches evolve and change based on their talent. Correct. And that's But that's a major – major hat tip to Don Shula as far as that is concerned. Uh, and quickly looking back at 86, since we're not doing the we're not doing players with the jersey numbers for the time being, we put that to the side. Maybe we'll revisit Yeah, what, what, what happened in 86? I got to start getting out the media guide so I can hey, get There you go. Well, or listen to me. I'll give you the very quick rundown. I know. It's like a history lesson. I'm, I'm going to, to a history class here. There you go. Uh, the Dolphins finished that season. I'll tell you when I actually started paying attention to football when we get to that year. Okay. 
<laughs> it'll be it'll be wild. It'll let me know in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dolphins were coming off the twenty the fourteen and two season of eighty four, the Super Bowl twelve and four in eighty five. Even though it ended in the AC Championship game in eighty six, most of the same personnel. It went sideways. Dolphins yep. wound up going eight and eight. Didn't have a first round pick because they traded it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to acquire linebacker Hugh Green, who was okay. one of the greatest players in college football history. Never quite lived up to that billing. Oh, yeah, the dude could play. He played at Pitt. He could play. Not Never quite up to that billing in the NFL, including with the Dolphins. Injuries were an issue. Uh, Dolphins defense was booty cheeks or semi-booty cheeks. Uh, Dolphins wound up 8-8. Eight and eight. The two things that stick out from that season was the, their first pick was in the second round. Linebacker John Offerdahl, who easily was the team's best defensive player of the late 80s, mm -hmm. early 90s. Okay. And then the other thing also that stands out, there was a game in September against the Jets that ended in a 51-45 overtime loss where Dan Marino tied the team record, which has since been also tied by Tua of six touchdown passes in a game. And yet the Dolphins still found a way to lose that game 51-45 in overtime. So, mm -hmm. But overall, it was an 8-8 eight and eight season. Uh, didn't come close to making the playoffs. It was kind of a disappointing season. They started the season 2-5. and five. And then played well relatively down the stretch, um, winning six of the final nine. Now, nice win against the Rams uh, in LA late in the season in overtime. Look at you. You're like an encyclopedia. I'm old. I'm old and I have a good memory. So. Uh -huh. All right. Let's talk about what you remember from practice today. Um, one, the first thing that we that stands out to me is the fact that Tyreek Hill wasn't there. Obviously, he was excused for personal reasons, uh, addressing uh, what we believe to be the home fire that, that set ablaze in his house. Um, reports are that the fire was set by a child playing with matches or a lighter upstairs. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a little disappointing to hear. But obviously, you know, everybody is not harmed and everybody's healthy. Um, everybody was safe. And possessions and things of that nature can be repaired, replaced. Excellent point. Um, and as you mentioned, the fact that he didn't practice, he doesn't need a whole lot of, of practice participation. He's playing Sunday. Let's just put it, let's just end the speculation right there. He's not 100%, nor will he be until 2024. I mean, the, the 2024 season, he's got an ankle injury. That's going to be a problem. Mm hmm. Uh, I love what McDaniel said earlier this week where he talked about Tyreek playing injured and he's got an incredible ability to cut on a dime, stop and start. And basically, he can't really do that on his ankle. He's doing the best that he can. Um, I, I, I love some of the passes that they are doing to Tyreek and even uh, Durham Smite in the middle of the field. But basically, too, is putting it in a, in a hole. And Tyreek is going down once he catches the ball. Um, and yeah. I think that that's, you know, that that that's next level quarterbacking, next level passing game, as as we always say. And I will fight whoever disagrees with me to the death. Um, Tua puts Tua puts balls into tight spots. At, what, at, what, times, at times, absolutely. I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting to the over the top 
hyperbole flowers, but that what you just said, absolutely. At uh, times, and, and, and he's the one, he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL right now. Name who simmer somebody down. who is more simmer accurate. Down, simmer down. Name somebody who's more accurate. I don't watch every every single solitary team. You but watch, you watch way more that. red zone than everybody else. So Sorry? I said you watch way more red zone than everybody else. I do, and I catch every game when the Dolphins are not playing. But uh, I, I, let's not let's not act like he's the only one who makes like high precision throw. He is easily. Here's what I will grant you: he is easily the one of the most accurate passers in the NFL. Absolutely, no question. Okay, all right. About to say. We're going to have Royal Rumble in here. We're not going to have he, Royal Rumble. He, he is a Pro Bowl starter for the AFC. Yes, Put some yes, respect on his name. Yes, he is. And, by the way, did somebody here say that he was a lock or practically a lock to be selected to the Pro Bowl? And somebody else, somebody else in here who does not wearing an Expo hat was saying. Yeah, I, I I mean, I didn't know. So you know how that is. Generally, I make it on based on reputation and legacy and, you know, stature and and the the fear factor for def opposing defensive coaches and then opposing defenders. Um, so I, I, I wondered, I had my concerns, were they going to give Josh Allen the edge over Tua? Um, and, and that wasn't the case. Um, Josh Allen got the snub. I think that that can, if if he's Dan Marino or one of these, or Michael Jordan or one of these athletes who use things for motivation, he's probably going in this week saying to himself, "Yeah, they think this Tua cat is better than me. Oh, I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna show him." Uh, no, and, and again, it's and this is where I know, like for example, Antoine Winfield Jr.'s father, Antoine Winfield of the same name, who was a former NFL cornerback. Who should have been the Dolphins draft pick at selection number 31 instead of Noah Igbenogany in the 2020 oh, draft? No argument here. That dude can play. Uh, but his father went completely nuts because they gave it to Buda Baker out in Arizona. And again, some of this stuff is based on reputation. I, I made the argument on merit. Uh, absolutely, Tua should have made it. Lamar Jackson's a no-brainer also. And it, to me, it should have been Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes. And yes, I guess that Josh Allen can be spotty with his passing, a lot of turnovers. Guess what? You have to factor in what he does with the running game and picking up those critical third downs on third and one or those rushing touchdowns that he has. He's accounted for a whole crap load of touchdowns, combining passing and rushing. Um, anyway, be that as it may, that was Dolphins had six, if in case you missed it, six, and we'll get back to the injuries, six Pro Bowl selections, four of them starters, two was one of them, running back Raheem Mostert, Fullback Alec Ingold and obviously Tyreek Hill. Um, and then the two who made it on the original team, not as starters, tackle Teron Armstead, cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Uh, the only one that was a surprise to me in terms of starters, and it's not a reflection whatsoever on his performance, and that's Alec Ingold because the guy he beat out, Patrick Ricard for the Ravens, made the Pro Bowl the last four years. And when you get the, the fullback position where there's not a whole lot of stats, a lot of players will be like, yeah, who? Uh, come on, give me a fullback. Oh, yeah, the guy who's been there for the last past four years. Check. And then he's going to wind up automatically getting it. That's a lot of times that's how it works. Uh, but props to Alec Ingold. I mean, everybody who made the Pro Bowl, if we're going to be honest about it, we talk about reputation. Let's not think that Teron Armstead's name didn't play a role in him. Wow. Okay, name me a tackle who's better than him. Oh, Healthy. God, I hate it when you do that. H healthy. 
Dude, give me a – I hate it when you do that. Tell you what, we'll revisit tomorrow if you would like so I can go over the rosters. Off the top of my head, dude, seriously? Um, You're you, uh, off the top of your head. If there's somebody who's going to do it off the top of their head, it would kind of be you. Yeah, right? but you, no, sorry, but I, I can't when it comes to offensive tackle. All I can tell you is that Teron well, Armstead – Got no love for the big uglies, huh? Okay, all right. I see what it is. Sorry if I can't come up with names off the top of my head like that, but even yourself – who is an offensive line connoisseur has said that Tehran a lot of times has not been at peak efficiency and he's also missed a lot of games. This is not the best of seasons for him. He's out there, he's getting the job done, but he's also the most important player. I mean, I watched him, I watched him today working with Rob Jones in the locker room on technique and things of that nature. Um, he's like a teacher coach out there and carries him through the week. Um, he said something uh, a couple weeks ago in terms of, you know, the whole offensive line, they're there on their day off. They're out there working on the field. They're going over film. He's like, the days we, we don't put in that work is the days that we're getting behind. And and it's Teron who's doing that leadership, um, props to him. Um, you know, it's true. A lot of times, I'm sure Tehran should have been a pro bowler maybe a season before he actually was. And sometimes, just like Xavier last year, sometimes you 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 get there on name alone. Um and and then you know it's it's a homage of pay of respect. So uh, um, without question. And and I'll give you another great example of a guy who made the Pro Bowl one year after he should have. It's Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunso should have made the Pro Bowl after his last year with the Dolphins. He made it his first year in Houston because he had now established himself like, oh, dude, that Tunso guy, that guy's good. Yeah. Um, Rashad Jones is another guy like that. Uh, Cameron Wake was another guy like that. We There's a long list of guys who, you know, make it to the Pro Bowl a year after they deserve to. Um, you know, this is probably the second or third instance I've seen where a guy makes it that you're like, really? He made it? Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say I'm completely surprised because when healthy, you know, and we've seen him healthy. We, I, I tell you, put on that Denver film. You want to see some Teron Armstead and Connor Williams. Uh, that, that, that was some phenomenal. That was like a phenomenal showing. Unfortunately, it didn't last that long. But I think he's trending in the right direction. He's practiced again. He's practiced today. He generally has Wednesdays off. Um, and so did Robert Hunt, who basically hold said, I was going to say, hold that thought before we completely dive into the injury report. I want to address the Dolphins also had 12 alternates mm-hmm. and that's a tribute again to the fans, hat tip to the fans because the Dolphins got the, the leading fan vote getter at 12 positions. Uh, and for those who were alternates, I know there's a lot of crying, a lot of cries about Christian Wilkins should have made it. Problem was with Christian Wilkins. Quinnen Williams was on the team last year, made it again this year. And again, it's not all about numbers. That dude can play. Yeah, um, but what about the numbers? What about the numbers? I just said it's not all about numbers. That's the thing. And Christian Wilkins, That's a reputation, that's a reputation selection. That dude and can play. That yeah, dude, that dude can play. But has he outperformed Christian Wilkins this season? Oh, I'm not saying that. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not arguing that Christian Wilkins absolutely was deserving. But I'm just explaining why it was that he didn't get it. Is that the two guys who got it last year who also had very good seasons, Quinn and Williams, and then Chris Jones from KC. And then the problem is that you have a guy who's got double digit sacks from the interior. We saw him on Sunday. That guy can play too. It was Justin Matabike. Yeah, no. 
So uh, it's not like it's not like there, there's nobody there where you go. How the hell did that guy make it? Christian Wood and I would argue to you statistically, Zach Sealers had a better season than Christian Wilkins. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you one is more impactful than the other or one is better than the other because, gosh darn it, they're both very good and they're both extremely dominant. And I think they play well together. And it's not like one's taking the attention away from the other. Um, put a gun to my head i'm gonna tell you christian wilkins is is the better player but the, the look at those numbers zach sealer's got better numbers in every category um so yeah so but uh i also thought bradley chubb could have potentially gotten in but then when you look at before the injury of course um but then when you look at the production that those defensive ends and edge rushers have i was like wow that those are some serious numbers and I, I was quite alarmed at the amount of sacks that some of these guys have produced this season. Um, Chubb was at 11, very healthy number on a team that was good against the run, good against the pass, um, and set a franchise record for sack, sacks. I think that's that's more than deserving enough. No, and he was, he, like Wilkins, he was the first alternate, and he got beaten out by two guys who made it last year, T.J. Watt, who's pretty much the best edge defender in the in the AFC, um, Khalil Mack, who's got like 16 sacks, and then Josh Allen from the Jaguars, who's had a hell of a year. So yeah. it's another case of like, yeah, he played at a Pro Bowl level. Did he get screwed? Tough to say. Um, but with, with Christian, for example, Christian will go to the Pro Bowl if the playoffs play out as we think, because Matabike is going to be busy getting ready for the Super Bowl, logically. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I guess we can. Or Chris Jones. Really? We think we think that, huh? Maybe, maybe, maybe Kansas City can turn it on. Oh, I mean, it, God, it, that would that would aggravate my CFS bad. That would badly aggravate my CFS. They they could turn it on. I mean, they're they're champions. I think champions can play at a different level. They're they, clearly they have offensive issues, but um, they're still champions. Uh, and I think I that they, defense in the NFL too by uh, total yards allowed. Really? Oh, okay. I was about to say, I thought the Ravens were the best defense in the NFL. But no, Cleveland, no, Baltimore's four. Cleveland's one, Casey's two. Can't remember who's three. Baltimore's four. Mm hmm. Um, what were we? I was saying something about, oh, Armstead practice. He normally gets Wednesday off. Robert Hunt continues to practice. Um, he's expected and anxiously anticipates returning to the starting lineup. He's had two different spans of two months off um, because of the hamstring injury. He says he's fine. What, what's that look for? Well, two different spans of two months off. That would be four months. That would be the length two of the different spans of a month each off. <laughs> okay. I apologize. Okay. Sorry. Um, you know, I'm a stickler for detail. Sorry. Yes. Uh, then we get to Lester Cotton, who is limited for the second straight week, second straight day because of a hip injury. Um, I think that that's something that's possibly a concern and we might be looking at, um, you know, somebody filling in in that spot. I think Robert Jones, if Rob, if Rob Hunt comes back, then that opens up the door for Robert Jones to play the left guard spot. And if you remember from the 2022 season, he played the left guard spot for, I believe, nine games, replacing Liam Eikenberg. Um, and Liam if you recall, the game that Connor was back the Tennessee game before he tore his ACL, Liam started at right guard and it was Robert Jones who started at left guard. Mm -hmm. 
I believe. No, it was Esther Cotton. Never mind. No, 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 no. I think you're right. I think you are right. Um, it, and because remember that was Liam's right guard spot, and he said, "I like right guard better." And they went with Jones over Cotton. It was Jones over Cotton. Okay. N no, we're wrong. Jones and Cotton started, and Liam was the backup. They've had seven different offensive mm -hmm. lines, so you got to excuse us. Yes, um, you have to, I have to double check because I, I know they started. Yeah, they've had 11 different offensive lines. Um, Jones started one game at left guard, and he's also started the past four games at right guard, past three games at right guard. So, um, but we could be looking at the 12th different starting offensive line combination of the season, which it is what it is. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, and certainly facing against a Buffalo Bills team that really hounded them from a pressure standpoint with just four rushers. It was the most impressive performance I'd seen against the Miami Dolphins defense all season. However, talking to Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator, Frank dropped a gem on us today, um, in my opinion, because, you know, I love that line talk. Um, don't. Don't you? No, I'm just I'm just nodding. It was Butch Barry, by the way. If you it was Butch Barry, yeah, I was about to say it was Butch Barry. You know, I love my line talk. Don't be disrespectful when we talking all. I lines. wasn't. I just went when I, when I nod my head with a tilt to the side. That's like I'm acknowledging it. I'm not like questioning oh, okay. it. I'm you'll know you'll know when I'm questioning something. I I, I got my eyes on you. Okay. Um, he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, that the struggles that they had against. Buffalo was because they had a new starting center playing in a new position. Communication was an issue, silent counts, um, communication with linemen, identification issues, and it was a hot mess. Now, both him and Frank Smith have said, this is a different Liam Eikenberg than the one that took the field that game. And I will acknowledge and agree with that. Uh, Liam has played much better. You don't hear the reference of the Eichenberg Express. Except, um, except now because you had to, re to re bring it back. Listen, um, there's always going to be worry with Liam. And this is the scene of the crime. So we're going back to, or actually not the scene of the crime, but this is, this is, this is the perpetrator who robbed you of all your fame and glory uh, as a basically took your reputation as a second round pick threw it in the garbage. You you were no longer a young, promising player. You were just a journeyman because they beat you so badly um, in terms of the Buffalo Bills. You 
you became a now question mark. You became a concern for the season, whether or not you were a wasted draft pick because of how much they abused you. Now, he is working. For those, for those who are prone to overreaction and, and were like not not – not understanding of the fact that it was a dude's first start at center. Yes, you're right. You kind of called me out. Is that what you're doing? No, 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 no. Are you Is feeling, that what you're are doing? feeling targeted? Also, can we not forget about the fact that there also was an in-game change at left tackle in that particular game in the late in the second quarter when Teron Armstead left the game. That also didn't help. And Butch Barry also mentioned that. Yeah. Um, so it will be very interesting. You know, I, I, I remember vividly watching over that film, obsessing about the line play and the disaster that, that was there, and basically watching Buffalo snap after snap, get pressure on Tua with four rushers, five, and sometimes six and seven could not protect Tua in that game, and it was a disaster. It was just a travesty. So I think that they'll have the opportunity to rebound, respond, um, I'm curious to see what happens. That that line is a prideful unit. They're a prideful group. And I'm pretty sure they want to redeem themselves. But if Buffalo can consistently get pressure on Tua with four rushers again, it's going to be a disaster. So let's hope that they can get the job done. Yeah, and according to the metrics, the pressure in the Buffalo game was not the worst the Dolphins the have seen. Really? Nope, it was the second second worst. Tennessee was worse in terms of pressure mm. percentage per drop back and sacks as well. It was five sacks against Tennessee, four against Buffalo. Uh, Tour, according to the metrics, was pressured on 29% of his dropbacks against Buffalo, 31% against Tennessee. And also, let's not lose sight of the fact that in that game, as well as the Baltimore game, the offense was humming early on. Dolphins scored a touchdown on their first two drives in that Buffalo game. I don't know. It was 14 14. Um, and then they got outscored, if I do the math very quickly, 34 to 6. Against the Ravens, one point it was 14 13. And then they got outscored 42 to 6. So, yeah, 34 6 and 42 6. Damn. Damn is very, very, very good description of it uh but so it's not like things were horrible from the start and then that speaks of what defenses made adjustments the ravens and the bills to what the dolphins were doing is it the dolphins are getting off their script after a certain number of plays and all of a sudden it goes haywire not sure obviously that's going to need to be fixed um but yeah, Butch Barry said, said the line. Obviously, what else is it? What else is he going to say that the line is a much better place than it was back in week four? And just the fact that you're not having a center making his first making his first start at that position in the NFL that's a big plus immediately. And then ideally, your left tackle is going to be in the game the whole time. And then it would be even better if you get your starting right guard back. Liam um, Eikenberg will be making his seventh start at center this season. Okay. So hey. But let's let's and and he's injured. He's got an ankle and a uh, hamstring. I think it's hamstring. No, ankle and calf. Ankle and calf. My bad. Um, you know, but Liam's been out there playing like a warrior and fighting through what he's what he's dealing with. As are a lot of guys on this roster. Um, let's get into some of the top line players 
offensive players, skill players. Jalen Waddle didn't practice again today. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, not playing. I'm not anticipating him playing. Uh, Raheem Mostert didn't practice today. Um, this is a different story. Even though it's the same injury, uh, I'm pretty sh- convicted with my belief that Raheem Mostert will practice tomorrow and give it a test. Now, will he go? But that's going to be based on what they see from him. Um, Devon Achan practiced again on a limited basis for the last two days. Um, he talked about a lot of things, including, you know, how frustrating this season's been from an injury standpoint for him. Um, you know, go from the knee to the ribs to the turf toe. Um, and he talked about the fact that he wears the turf, to, he wears the, the boot after games, you know, for a couple of days just to let the, 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 the turf toe tough toe sort of settle down and, 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 and subside. So um, he's going to be pretty much good to go. Uh, who else offensively? That is- was a long, by the way, sidebar. That was a long interview. Uh, I, Cause I was in there. You haven't talked game. to the guy in like two months. I know, but what, you, what, what were you guys doing? Cause I was in there for the first, he did a group interview, a bunch of people around his locker. I, I was in there for the first, I don't know, three, four minutes. And then left because uh, I figured he covered all the bases, and then he kept going and going and going and going. I'm thinking, are you guys doing the life and times of Devon Achan here? Or? Maybe um, we were actually talking about uh, backs that he grew up watching, um, and and we're playing the game of do you know this back? Like Warren Dunn, um, guys who he's got like a similar kind of build and style to, and he didn't know Warwick Dunn. He knew I was, was, was going to say probably wasn't born when Warwick Dunn was. Yeah, playing. yeah, he wasn't born when Warwick Dunn was actually actually playing, you know, in the NFL. But he knew Barry Sanders. But again, it's Barry Sanders. Um, you know, every kid has probably seen a Barry Sanders highlight. Do, now, do they know how dynamic he was? Probably not. Um, so we're having those conversations and, and just things kind of getting to know him and getting to know his, his mannerisms, work ethic. Um, you know, he, we asked him, uh, he doesn't think that he hit the rookie wall because remember he had a month off and literally he's fresh. He feels like he's absolutely incredibly fresh at this point in the season. Um, and, and just asking some things about his running style, just, just various beat writer kind of conversations, chats, chit chats. Um, uh, Jerome Baker continues to practice. Um, David Long Jr. and Duke Riley are both battling some injuries. Uh, and those two young men, um, are limited during practice. So is Jerome. So you got a whole, whole trio of injured linebackers. I expect Jerome to actually play just because, um, you need the bodies and it's better than Channing Tindall and, and Calvin Munson. No offense. Um, but it, you know, just in case, plus let me make the point of this, you know, who has had experience buying Josh Allen throughout his dolphins career. Let me guess Jerome Baker, Jerome Baker. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens from that standpoint. Um, I think that Vic Fangio is going to have to have a dynamic game plan obviously because this is a, a team that presents tremendous challenges for this Dolphins team. Um, and we talked to Vic Fangio today, as we generally do on every Thursday, and Vic Fangio basically said, 
I'm not opposed to shadowing. I just, you know, I don't like doing it when I have two upper echelon cornerbacks, but I've shadowed throughout my career. I like shadowing. Uh, and then my response is, then why, when your players basically come to you and say, this is what we should do, this is what we want to do, you basically poo-poo them and and just go tat, tat, tat. Um, when I, you can't see it. Um, and... Man, you really opened my eyes to Cater Kohu and uh, his 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 statistics. I knew he was struggling. I didn't know how bad he was struggling. Where the opposing quarterback rating is one thirty one, not the worst on the team. Um, that's the Sean Elliott, but I think that that's a farce because half the time people don't know who the hell Deshaun Elliott's responsible for in coverage. I'm just thinking he's just taking all these L's. Um, but, uh the, the one thing that I find very interesting about um, that situation is um, you have options and you have alternatives. And if a guy is allowing 82% of the passes thrown his direction to be completed, which is statistically what Cater Kohu is allowing, according to Pro Football Focus, um, pro, football reference. pro Football Reference, that's a lot of completions except here's the thing do we really believe mm -hmm. that vic fangio would have somebody in his midst who we who he honestly believes is a better alternative okay but he'll be like damn it i'm vic fangio and i said that cater was our guy and cater is going to be our guy so um i think he i I'm think not i think this is just me. Um, I think that now that I know the numbers, you've seen Nick Needham play in the slot. Maybe you, Vic Fangio, have not seen Nick Needham play in the slot. Um, I don't know where Nick Nick Needham is from a conditioning standpoint, from a speed standpoint, from a change of direction standpoint. But it's an option. It's an alternative. And it needs to be explored because if any other player – was allowing 82% of his passes thrown against him to be completed and had allowed, what, eight touchdowns and had 131 passer rating for opposing quarterbacks. Yes, yes, yes. Well, again, here's the thing. If we're going to absolve Deshaun Elliott of some of the passer rating against them because we don't know okay. who's, in, who's responsible, let's do the same with Cater. Let's be hold fair. on, hold on, hold on. But you know when you line up in the slot, that's your man, and if you let him go, okay, because you're playing zone, cool. But that's generally your man, and slots don't run all the way downfield to catch the passes. He sure did against Odell Beckham last week. That I'm saying again, look, obviously our eyes tell us that it's not been a great year in terms of coverage for Cater. I understand that. But I'm going to go back to saying what I said. Is I can't I cannot refuse to believe that Vic would be like so hard headed as to like I got somebody who in, in practice who's outperforming Cater, but you know I'm sticking with my guy. I'm not buying that for a second. Uh, I do want to touch on this something else that Vic said. Um, X in practice again today. He ain't playing. He's not playing. He's not playing. Mike and basically, Vic said the, the plan is to stick with Eli Apple as the outside corner and Cater as a slot. And basically, of course, there comes a big question: Why not Cam Smith? And basically, Vic is basically saying, well, actually, he needs to work on his execution, his fundamentals, his, and this, 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 and this. 
I mean, he could not be more clear that I don't like Cam Smith or <laughs> Cam Smith just flat out not ready. I mean, could yeah. he be any more clear? I mean, no, he couldn't have been. And and the Emmanuel Agba, uh, there. It, I mean, it is what it is. Vic basically said, um, "I and I asked the question when I play Emmanuel Agba, I pretty much have to play a different coverage and different defense." And you know, some people don't like that change. Uh, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not a person who likes change either. So. Um, he's uncomfortable with, with Emmanuel in his defense. Uh, he shies away from playing him because of that. Right now, you don't have any choices. You you really don't. Um, so uh, unless you're going to elevate one of these practice squad players, and I'm not even including Melvin Ingram because he is going to be elevated, um, You you this is what you ride with. We're at the regular season. We've got one more playoff game, if not two, behind this. Um, like... You, you better figure out a way to make it work, Vic, because uh, Emmanuel Agba, those side five sacks, as I continue to argue, they didn't they didn't they didn't fall in his lap. He had to go get them. So um, props to Emmanuel. I, I pre- respect him for continuing to fight for not becoming a, a, a Debbie Downer and a negative guy in the locker room. He's got 15 um, million reasons not to be a Debbie Downer. I'm sorry. Did I say that? Money isn't everything, Poupard. Sometimes you okay. want to. What? Again, no, and and I agree that there are certain players who will, who will who will pout, regardless of money. But again, but there's also a lot of players. And if we're going to be talking about having a good locker room, this is part of having a good locker room, and that applied last year as well to Mike Gesicki, who became a complete non-factor afterthought on offense. And did you hear a peep out of Gesicki last year? He was he was great, and part of it, sorry, but part of it was like he was chichinging ten million. 10.3 million, whatever, also because he's a good team player. What what's it gonna what purpose is it gonna serve to bitch and moan? Hey, you're right. The check's clear. And check's clear every Tuesday. So Emmanuel has nothing to complain about. Now he's gonna have opportunity, probably in the next two games, three games, um, to showcase himself. Um, and I'm curious to see if he says to Vic Fangio, you know, he he pulls a Randy Starks and you know. Gives him the the, the uh, bird. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think he's gonna do that. Does that really? Does he really strike you as that kind of guy? But I, man, that's funny. Imagine, imagine if he looks at the box after a sack, and just shoots up some double birds. Yeah, man. For those who don't remember the story, Randy Stark was a defensive tackle. Was unhappy with his contract situation. Got a sack again in an opener against Cleveland. Looked at the Dolphin sideline and flipped the bird to his own sideline. No, flip the bird to to uh, to Joe Philbin. To Joe Philbin, right. yeah, it, it wasn't. Uh, uh, yeah, that that I always respected Randy for that. Randy <laughs> didn't. Randy Randy didn't. Randy didn't take no shit, and he didn't pull no punches. No, he didn't pull no punches. So if you're looking at let's say 60 plays on defense, that two edge defenders, that's 120. As I said earlier, Andrew Van Ginkle is going to play as much as he can handle. 55. Gonna, sorry, I'm, he's going to play 55. Absolutely. Fair enough. And the other 65 are going to split between Nagba and Ingram. And when Ingram is on the field, Ingram's going to be on the left side. Van Ginkle's going to be on the left. And when Agba's on the field, Agba's going to be on the left. And Van Ginkle, who's very versatile, will slide over to the right. That's you. That's yeah, pretty much I, I pretty much think that Ingram is going to be the starter just primarily because Ingram Absolutely. is very well versed um, on the right side. 
and Agba has spent most of his career on on the left side, left side um, of the defensive formation. Yeah, left side of the defensive formation. Um, so we should we should point out before before we wrap this up, the Bills injury report. Wow, uh, really nothing there. I mean, they, they have one. They literally <coughs> had one player who was not a full participant, and that was Demar Hamlin, who's going to be the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, despite the fact he's been active. One game. Has it been once? I know he was active against the Dolphins in week four. I don't know if he's been active since. Yeah. Because of what happened last year. I mean, the man died on the field. Come back from death. Okay, but wasn't didn't that happen last year? He came back from it, didn't he? Now you understand that, but he was he was like kind of back to normal, like in the spring. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird to me. Um well, I mean, that's a whole discussion. Maybe the bill, all bills can can dive into that. But anyway, he's the only one. Everybody else is full. That includes Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, who didn't practice Wednesday. Josh Allen continues to be on the injury report. He's full, just like two was on the injury report. But he's What's full. What's the injury report for? Sorry. What's Josh Allen on the injury report for? Uh, neck and right finger. Oh, yeah. there we go. The trigger word. People, people think that that's like a, that, that, that's a, uh, no, that is a reflex. If you, if it's you say funny, neck, I have constant neck pain. If you say neck, I'm, 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 I'm stretching out my neck. Um, but you know anyway. my, some people might find that weird, right? It is what it is. I need to go see my girl, Tina in Chinatown. Okay. Have, her, have her walk on my back and give me the, 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 the five fingers of death on these shoulders. All righty. Well, we appreciate you for watching. Thank you for uh, subscribing. Hopefully you're a subscriber. Thank you if you listen on, on audio format. Um, if you watch on YouTube, we appreciate and respect you. We will be back tomorrow with an injury report wrap-up and a wrap-up of the week. Hopefully Tyreek returns back to practice and maybe even see Jalen Waddle. We will be back to fill you in. All right. Um, on that note, we say good night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.